Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis' The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately. Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby! Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. The following podcast is a Green Fresh Media production. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Too Smart for This, a podcast dedicated to knowing better and doing better for ourselves and others. Today's conversation is with Kendra Austin, one of my favorite follows and creator friends. Uh, We met while we were both doing the same campaign for Nike, and I have been obsessed with her content ever since. She is an artist who produces content in many ways about simply living her experience and life as a fat black queer woman who is basically in love with herself. We talk everything from overcoming society's pressures, issues with the body positivity movement, how she healed from physical and emotional trauma, and her daily practices for loving herself. Everything will be linked in the show notes, so let's hop into this episode. It is probably the favorite one I've ever done, so let's get into it. Awesome. Okay, welcome. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm stoked. I have been, um, obviously we started following each other during our Nike campaign, which I guess is like four months ago now. Yeah. I don't know what time is anymore. Um, you tell, you say it's four months, feels like four days, Exactly. Uh, but yeah, no, I definitely feel like I was familiar. It was like, again, one of those parasocial situations where I feel like I was familiar with you before I actually got to, you know, kind of know you and get more, you know, deeply in that. So such a pleasure. Finally, like I'm, connection. I'm so glad. Yeah, I feel like um, we're very similar simply because all the TikToks you post on your for you page on your Instagram are literally just my for you page. Um, I'm honored. I'm really? honored. No, but the thing is, we have the same brain. That's that is at this point. I'm like, if I meet somebody, if I go on a date, right, a first drink, I'm like, show me your FYP. <laughs> show me. Okay, it speaks to your character. If anything about ADHD comes up, then I know we're vibing. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just know where we stand. Um, So to hear that already really solidifies our connection. Absolutely. I'm so glad. I hope to be as evolved as you at some point. So I'm excited to jump into this conversation. Um, So I love to start off with a few rapid fire questions so we can like 
get the audience to know you just as well as I do. And I'm also curious, what is your sun moon rising? I'm an Aquarius sun, Taurus moon, Capricorn rising, and it shows. And it shows. (laughs) Okay. How, what is the thing that you resonate the most with and like the least with? Okay. So that's interesting. I feel like I resonate with my whole chart only because it's like so pointed. Like Mm -hmm. I'm an Aquarius sun, Mercury and Venus. So those things are just so overwhelming in my chart. Mm. Capricorn, Mars and rising and then a Taurus moon. And that's my entire chart. So like, I'm really just one kind of person. Um, I feel like I resonate strongly with all of it. Like my Aquarius, my Aquarian nature, I think is like my truest self. Like I am very like for the people. Um, I cannot stand authority unless it makes sense. Like I only think that rules are as valuable as they help the people. Mm. Um, and I'm like incredibly progressive in like everything. My, my entire guiding force is like to improve people's quality of life before death. So I think. The Aquarius. Yeah. Oh my God. It's crazy. I'm like yeah. so Aquarian. Yeah. But I think that like my Taurus moon is something that I think really like when people are shocked to hear that I'm an Aquarius, the second that they hear I'm a Taurus moon, they're like, Oh, like that's why I'm so comfortable with you. Like, I think that people find a lot of like warmth and like ushy gushiness with me because mm-hmm. of that Taurus moon. And it kind of like softens the like otherwise maybe detached parts of myself. I think my favorite parts of myself are my Taurus moon for sure. That is so cool. I think that's really true. I think like the, um, I have an Aquarius South node and a Leo North node. So I had to like, I realized that when my astrologer, we were talking about it was showing up for me. And I was like, I feel that detachment part of the Aquarius just so, so much sometimes. But the Taurus moon makes so much sense because you are like, you just seem like you're everybody's friend on the internet too. You know what? Thank you. And that's, that's exactly what, that's exactly what I seek. Like I want... I want to be so clear that like, this is like not a brand. Like I know like in essence, I am absolutely building a personal brand, but I am a person. Like I'm very person first. Um, this is really, wait, we have to finish the rapid fire, but please go ahead. that's a really imp- interesting take that I haven't heard people say before. Wow. Really? Yeah. Like, I feel like everyone is obsessed with building like the perfect um brand so that they can like hide behind it in some ways you know because when you put your full self out on the internet it's very easy to be like bruised when you get criticism back but from but I feel like as I'm saying this I'm realizing I feel like you have a lot of boundaries and self-confidence where when you put yourself out there maybe that maybe those like that criticism doesn't come back so it's easier for you to be a person rather than a brand yeah, absolutely. And like, I, I think I've played, I've played with a lot of selves while I've been like a public facing person, right? Like I've grown in youth to kind of finally becoming, you know, a woman, so to speak <laughs> on the internet. Um, and I've been on the internet like my whole life, you know, most of us have. Right. So like, I've been on Tumblr, like I was on Tumblr for a really long time. I like actually ran an anonymous account that had over 400,000 followers worldwide. That was like my- Who, What was your Tumblr? Um, <laughs> So it was actually like a weight loss tumbler, which is like a very interesting um, background for me. And it was called Kendra Keeps Clean. And there was like, so like personhood to Kendra, but um, it was like a lot of like recipes, really actually kind of similar to stuff that I do now, except way more like fitspo and like detrimental to the young girls that were following me. Um, 
which is another like I think kind of side to how or reason I would even say like conduit it's like how I got to this place in my life I feel like in a lot of ways I'm like seeking a kind of like absolution from from the torment that I probably caused other people years ago that is so interesting we're gonna skip rapid fire we'll do it at the end because (laughs) um I feel like this is so interesting because tumblr for me was so I was like eighth grade when tumblr was like really big it was my form of I think our generation's like detrimental tiktoks you know and I feel like it made it glamorized mental health issues and that type of thing um to a point that I think is like being repeated right now and being on the internet for your whole life I think it, it developed a level of like fear in me of like being a public facing influencer you know yeah oh absolutely like and it's so funny to even like reel back to like the the Aquarianness that we were referring to earlier like I've always felt this sense of like I don't know how to explain it like I was always like friends with everybody in high school and college like I've always had a really diverse like I never had like my people like everybody was kind of my people but in that mm-hmm. way I felt very like emotionally alienated um and that that feeling came very, very early for me where I just felt like there was like parts of me that I wasn't really ready to accept with people that knew me. So I agree. I'm yeah, right. it was like yeah. on the internet was like my safe haven, right? I got to like kind of let that freak flag fly. I got to explore darker parts of myself, which is interesting that you even bring up like the glorification of mental illness because I was so incredibly mentally ill. I mean, still am so managed and so grateful for the resources to do that. Uh, But I was like so mentally ill as a kid. But like the way that it presented because of the nature of my upbringing and like the amount of chaos that I was raised in and like the inept, the ineptitude of the adults in my life that presented itself as like really, really high functioning and like high achieving. So why are you why are you telling my life story right now? No, literally, I know that you I know you were going to feel that shit. I knew you were going (laughs) to feel that shit. Which I, I also want to get to know a little bit more about your background. I've like heard you like drop nuances. And I'm like, wow, like you are, I hate yeah. to use inspiring because I don't think that that's appropriate, but like you're an absolute force. Like you're such proof of the fact that like people can be offered absolutely nothing and like are magicians, so to speak, and make something out of nothing. So I applaud you for that. But it was like, yeah, I had just, you know, I was looking at the adults in my life and I was like, I can't do this. So I feel like the internet allowed me space to like not have to be that like very like primped in imperfect person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is, I think in essence, like kind of what the space that I drive now on the internet, like I rarely ever put make, I don't put makeup on for posts. Like I'm like out here literally just screaming on people, screaming at people online. Um, <laughs> and that feels good to me, you know, um, which is definitely like a huge shift from what I think, people even imagine Instagram to be when they think of Instagram. I think they're thinking of like Alexis Renz and like really thin white women that like have money. Um, Mm -hmm. And like, that's not even the internet that I'm on. Those aren't the people I'm talking to. Exactly. So walk me through how we got from Kendra makes fit or whatever Tumblr Uh to now. And how is it, how have you evolved online in your presence? Right, right, right. So yeah, it's interesting. Like a lot of the, there's, I would say several thousand people that have been following me from Tumblr, even on Instagram, Mm -hmm. who literally saw me go from like 
my freshman year of college to losing a hundred, like I was losing, I lost 130 pounds my freshman year of college. Mm, And they went from watching like an extreme weight loss journey where I was like, one thing about me, I've never not completed anything. Um, And so like, I just, if I was going to do it, I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it publicly. And I think that like, that's also just been such a gift because I realize now like there are so many people that have literally watched me like lose 130 pounds, like be through it, like really in like the depths of an eating disorder, which was part of the zeitgeist, right? Like the right. Whole, at that point, like the whole world was an eating disorder. So it didn't feel as, I wasn't like, you know, I don't think it was like terrifying for anybody to watch. Like the biggest loser was still a thing that people were watching. Oh my God. I forgot about that. Oh yeah. The biggest loser was like my dream. And I essentially made it happen by myself. So people like watched that happen and then kind of saw me like, you know, I, I lived what was many women's worst nightmare was just, you lose a, a bunch of weight and then you end up slowly, gradually gaining it back because you have to live your actual fucking life. Right. Um, and once I like, I, I was a vegan at the time, which was, I think a lot of veganism is like a cloaked eating disorder. No offense. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a gateway. <laughs> yeah. 100 I think anything like if you're already like a restricted and disordered person literally any like eating lifestyle where there's restriction is a trigger you know what I yeah, mean absolutely the disorder not necessarily the lifestyle itself but mm. yeah it was like definitely a trigger for me and um I like there was like a period where my mom was like I like I was because the nature of eating vegan like being a vegan you're always eating quote-unquote carbs and I I use quotes because I was eating pure like fruits and vegetables but at the time like that was like a challenge to my weight loss when I like lost so much weight and I remember there was like a period where like I wanted to like eat like a full cup of blueberries but I couldn't because it went past my carb limit for the day and I broke down in my kitchen and my mom was like this is over like she looked at me and she was like we're done this is over like you're not doing it anymore and I kind of just stopped like I stopped posting I like dropped veganism I like kind of slowly integrated like going out with my friends like Mm -hmm. going to drink like having a social life again um because what people don't tell you is like in order to lose that much weight you have to do nothing else right the sacrifice is too high like I that's why I was just like oh you know what I'm just gonna be fat like I'm actually okay with that I came here to live a full life. Right. If that fullness yeah. reflected in what my body is, I am absolutely okay with that. And that's the journey that I think is, it's beautiful that you're sharing. And I wonder, and it's very hard to share that journey because I think majority of women haven't, you have to go through that to accept your body in a lot yeah. of ways. And it's so scary on the internet when you see, People like you can watch that journey happen almost with anyone who creates like that kind of like account or whatever. So when you made this decision to just like embrace your body, what was the hardest thing to overcome to like get to where you are now? You know what? I think the hardest thing to overcome was something that I didn't even actually understand was the challenge until like quite recently was that I was like, I felt that I was in many ways like putting on the mask of acceptance before I was doing the work. And 
yeah, yeah exactly right it's like really it is like a fake it till you make it and i and mm-hmm. i i don't think that that is the wrong way i think that's actually the only way but i think that that is the challenge is like when you are doing work in front of people and in many ways for people right like i think that especially as black women and as a fat black woman people are have this very strange again parasocial relationship with us where they're like, oh, this person is doing the work. And so I am like by literally witnessing somebody do the work, they feel like they are doing it by osmosis, which is incorrect. Um, but I, yeah, I think that like, we also carry that burden of like feeling the need to kind of keep up the work even before you're actually really doing it because it's impossible to do it for other people. Yeah. Um, for the sake of just like looking like you're evolving or looking like, you know, keeping up with the perception of being a put together person. And people are really obsessed with watching that happen. And I don't know if I've like really thought through it as a black woman of how people are obsessed with watching that happen. But like the way that they're like, well, every time I would post something about how like I was overcoming like a feeling of insecurity about my body, people would be like, thank you so much for this. And so then you feel like you have to keep going, even though you don't really know what you're doing. That's 100%. And even if like, you know, like I think that also several identities, for example, growing up black, growing up poor, growing up like any of any sort of adversity or inherent oppression that comes with an identity, those things force you to do the work because if you didn't do the work, you would fail. This world is not built. This world is not built for our identities when we succeed quote unquote, let alone us just giving up. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I feel like there's a lot of like parrot, like parasitic behaviors going on where we have to present a certain kind of person that's like healed, but not so much, not so much that we make you feel bad about yourself. Exactly. We just embody the truth of healing, right? Or the truth of growth. Which is, like, something that I've realized very recently that, like, I can't not do. Like, this is, I, I'm no longer 15, and I can't cater to 15-year-olds. Like, it's very much, like, I'm not trying to do the whole Taylor Swift where I ride out connecting to people who are, like, have fewer resources and who are much younger than me for 15 years. Like, yeah. I grow. And I've got, sorry, that was, like, also, like, my, like, loose jab at Taylor Swift. But, like, I, <laughs> like, I am a human being and like I this is really who I am like I went to therapy like I'm in therapy like I've I've moved past this and like that's not to say that like I'm not a human being I'm titanium and I like won't ever experience a tough body day again but like that's not my story and And it's not the only thing you can put on the like the only relatable thing about you that's exact 100% but that's the only way that people want to relate to me because of my identities and they have it exactly exactly yeah how they came to know me you know what I mean it's it's very similar to a, a, a real relationship in real life it to that extent is like you know even people in your real life don't necessarily like who you are when you're healed yeah and that's especially when you come from a chaotic family background where you start putting boundaries up and it's like now you're a horrible person and then it's sometimes like this week especially with mercury retrograde I have felt like when you put boundaries up like that, whether it's on the internet and you're no longer going to talk about a certain subject 
or whether it's with your family, sometimes you are sacrificing connection for the, the sake of yourself. And that's really difficult. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And even just like being honest with yourself that like, if you have to sacrifice yourself to be in it, then it's not connection at all. And I think yeah. that is an even greater challenge. It's like, it feels very lonely. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, like, I was actually talking about this yesterday with a friend of mine. We met up for dinner and I was just saying like, you know, the last few years have been really transformative, like as a creator, as a public facing, like fat black queer woman. And like, um, I, even just like in my interpersonal relationships with those identities and that like, I've just come to realize like, I would rather be alone. Um, mm. Thankfully, because of who I am in the community that my past self built for me, I will never have to be. Yeah. And like, I sit in so much gratitude of that. I'm like, I'm just so happy that like Pat, my past self like built such a support system for me that I can walk away from literally anybody and everybody that is not here for me when I'm like healed and no longer self-sacrificing and no longer trying to like, you know, cut open my deepest wounds to show you like, I too am a real person. Like you should just know that. That's just. Yeah. Wait, can we talk about the obsession? I think you recently posted about how anyone who's not like a skinny white girl kind of has to like show that they're so vulnerable and, um, but they're also so strong. Um, But they're also so relatable on social media if they want to grow in any sort of way. And like, I think something I've recently learned is like, I don't have to educate everyone around me all of the time. And why, like, where did that come up for you? And what made you decide to talk about it recently? I mean, honestly, I think that I've been feeling a lot of frustration about like, like truly just like numbers. Like I'm just seeing that the people who continue to have, like, I've been following this particular community, right? Like the plus size, like quote unquote BOPO, most of them are like, you know, body neutral, just like self-acceptance, body acceptance forum on the internet. I have been following these people for years and I'm just kind of peeping how like a lot of these people, and it's of no fault to them because they are trying to remain relevant to people. And like, Mm -hmm. it's actually now their survival to do so. So I don't shade this, but like they're talking, they've been talking about the same shit for like six years. Like it's these creators are put in a, are put in a situation now where I'm starting to see, like, even within my own numbers, I'm like, I get it. Because if I post something as trivial as Mm -hmm. fat girl summer, that post will get like 30,000 re like 30,000 yeah. likes, a million reposts on Instagram, da, 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 da. And if I'm posting about self-actualization, like people are not really with me. Like it's not going to do the numbers, but that's who yeah. I am right now. Like I, that is who I am. So I think that there is like such a challenge that I've had when like, there's a shift in me of actually embodying what it's like to be a fat black queer person and not feeling the need to scream at brands every day for more clothes or to talk about trauma every single day or mm-hmm. to talk about how I'm deserving of space and just simply exist in it. And I think it's making me less relatable um, because most people are unhealed. And that is that is not to be shamey and that's not to say anything other than like, I do think that the actualized and the self-fulfilled 
um, for one are taking on harder work and harder journeys and you were going to get fewer and far in between. And in that way, like I've had to accept for my growth and the people whose growth that like, I'm really excited to witness, like it's going to be a slower journey. It's going yeah. to the people that are doing crazy numbers are still forcing themselves to be stuck in their trauma for numbers. And that's, and I also think that from a content strategy perspective, purely like from my work, you literally have to appeal to the most amount of people if you're going to grow. And if the most amount of people are unhealed because either they don't have the resources to do it or they're 10 years old, that's what's going to happen. Exactly. That's exactly it. And it's like, I don't know, there's something that's like kind of chaotic and like scary and sad to me that like I'm watching like 30 something year old women like poke and prod at like their belly and like they're like mm. skin and be like, this was once so disappointing to me, but today I love it. I choose me. And it's like, you have been doing that, babe. You've been doing that for six years. Like exactly. there's no way you still feel this way. I'm sorry. I know you don't still feel this way. I know that you are stuck in the content mill and it shows. And the only people that don't understand that it shows actually are probably not fat. Like they exactly. are. And they're and like, you're out of guilt. That's exactly, they're doing it out of guilt. They're doing it out of shame. They love the feeling of pity. They love the idea that this person is worse off than me. And the second that you start to decide that you are not that, like that these identities do not define you for you, right? Yes, certainly in the world, but not for you, that you won't have that audience and you know it. And like exactly. that again is an audience problem. Like the post that I made was calling to attention what an issue that is for the audiences. Like, why is it that we expect this like sh great show of pain and woundedness from people whose identities are so hard to move through? Like, why aren't we rewarding people who are doing the work? Why aren't we rewarding the embodiment of joy in fatness, in blackness, in like, you know, I, I, yeah, I'm just, I'm having a hard time, like not feeling a bit of like resentment for, for that because it's just, yeah because your trauma is the only thing that sells right now that's exactly right and it's just like also beyond you know beyond the brand it's disappointing to me because I know that that's reflective of who people are like mm -hmm. these are actual people behind these screens and I'm like what is going on with y'all like <laughs> yes like y'all need help like why I think it's something interesting that I've also been having big issues within my family life is that I think people like you and I, because we grew up in a, and, and I don't even know your background, but I, you've alluded to it in a place where you had to escape. We have this like longing to always be better and to improve and to grow from whatever we were so that we could survive. And that has gone with us. But for a lot of people that, longing to be better and to improve like doesn't always exist and it's much more comfortable to sit in pain and I just and I think probably I do that in some ways that are just not as obvious but it's getting very frustrating to watch it lead to so much suffering for people because they just don't know how to get out of it 100% and just because that's what the audience cheers for like that's what's yeah. going to keep them paying their bills and like yeah. what a horrible position to put people in because we cannot accept or receive um that people are ex exist in multitudes yeah 
or that people evolve past a feeling of hatred. That's exactly 100%. And that, that too is like worthy of celebration and that we can, we can all rejoice in that together. Exactly. Oh my goodness. I think being on social media and the way that it becomes like a livelihood thing is really like does and this like vulnerability for profit thing both are are intertwining in a way that I think can be very like detrimental long term. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why like I always I mean, here's the truth, right? Actually not everybody who has a platform is a talented person. Right. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of talented, determined people that have platforms. And I think that it needs to be used as a tool first and foremost. And especially when you're young, like this is one, it's like, I've had the internet since I was like 22, you know, mm-hmm. and like I, what I didn't know, know then that I know now is like, I was like slowly, but steadily like building like an actual community of people that truly do love me. Like mm-hmm. I never get hate. I never get weird ass side comments. Like I, like, I, I don't want to jinx myself, knock on wood here, but like, you know, obviously by numbers game, the bigger that the platform is, like, you're just going to get more of that. And that just is what it is. But I think up until now, I've kind of existed in a kind of insular world. And it's allowed me to build a community for when and if I should decide to come into talents that don't exist on the internet, I will have a community to cheer me on and also a built in audience of consumers. Right. And, um, that's not to say that I see those people as tools by any means, but it's like the truth of the matter is like these people are waiting for me to develop beyond the internet and to have something to support me on that is not Instagram or is not TikTok. And I think that that is like what I would advise like most young people that are on the internet to do is like use this as a tool to be able to actually find yourself outside of it and then have something to share with the world that is not this. Um, that's a very important piece of advice. 100%. And it's like, that's not to say that like anybody's just doing these things. Like this is cre- a creative field in itself. Creating content, we know this, is not easy. It's an arduous process. Um, you are, cre- like this is, essentially you are, you are building out like another reality that people exist in when they go on their cell phones, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's what we do. So and that's not to like downplay that, but I, I also just think like in, at some point you're going to want to have to stop performing for people and you deserve that space. And that would mean creating outside of it, you know, like right yeah. now I'm like writing my first book. Oh my God. I can't wait. I'm really, yeah, I'm really excited. It, it should, should be published in 2023, 2024. And wow. I am like really stoked because I know that people are waiting for this. You know what I'm saying? I know. That's beautiful. That's an amazing feat to have accomplished that. And I think that the idea of building a community of people who really love you, I haven't, I don't know why, but like, I haven't like realized that that's possible in a way. Um, I think that's what's happening, Alexis. Your people love you. I hope so. I just feel like the way I started and everything, I just, sometimes I think I, of course, put the negative higher up than the positive because people just like really scare me and because of that I think I'm afraid to let myself feel that like a community does love me do you know oh yeah absolutely and it's like at the end of the day like one thing that I have noticed is like I mean it's like Yelp reviews like the positive people who feel so positively don't have anything to say like they're just looking at you in awe you know Mm -hmm. what I mean like 
like even just like one thing I've noticed with my newsletter which is how I got a book deal mm-hmm. like I started my newsletter in collaboration with Substack like I'm a Substack pro writer in, in in April and that opened up many professional doors for me very quickly but even beyond that the first thing that I felt immediately was complete and total relief that people would actually get to know me and, and like that I would learn what it feels like to make work that is fulfilling purely because I did it. Like, which is unlike being on other forms of social being on, you know, Instagram or TikTok, where it's like, you almost get that, like, that rush, right? That like addictive rush that we're all seeking when you hit post and you walk away from your phone and you're hoping that when you come back, this shit just popped off, right? That feeling you don't get with other creative expressions. And I wish for everybody that you would have the true fulfillment of not having the immediate return of other people's opinions and just sitting with the idea that you produce something that you're proud of. Yeah, and that's something that I think creation has evolved away from and it might be hurting us more than it's helping us. Right. And and I think a lot of that is because we get the, you know, satisfaction of how much money that can be made on the internet. Oh, like yeah. anybody that's not using the internet to me is a fool. Like I yeah. like I'm going to keep it real. You know what I'm saying? I'm like this is one of the greatest tools that we have. If you are a bitch with a personality, if you are somebody with something to say, if you are creative, like you have to use the internet. Like I just don't see why you wouldn't. But you know, I, I do think that like, I, even just the sheer fact that we're, what we do is referred to as content. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm an artist. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I'm an, I'm an artist. Like everything that I do, what I wear, what I say, the way that I choose to say it, my writing, like, bitch, I'm art. Like, don't call it content. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But it's like, we have to, because we're trying to market it to someone that wants to pay us for it. And so by nature, we kind of slowly inch out of our creative process for the sake of getting the hits, getting the reshares, getting the data, right? The analytics. Um, And yeah, like I said, I just think that like to kind of return back to that creative space, one thing that I have recently learned by way of starting a newsletter and like almost coming into a new audience um, or having an an audience that followed me there was like, people will write me like long-winded, like three paragraph newsletters of their own to let me know like how important or how how much time they really sat and spent with my work that week. Wow. And that is more fulfilling than anything I've ever done before. Like I can say truthfully. And a lot of that is because I'm not showing a quick, quippy, you know, concise part of myself. Like I'm unraveling before an audience and they are witnessing me bear all and also are returning that. And that return is not something that you get on the kind of creation that occurs on social platforms. So how do you unravel without this, like, or where, how did you lose your, like, fear of a vulnerability hangover, to put it in very easy terms? Um, I don't, I I will be honest. I don't think, okay, for one, I'm, um, it's like when I have something that's on my heart, I can't help but say it. Like mm. I've been like this my whole life. Like I, if I'm going to say it, I'm going to say it. There's not, not really a second thought for me. And I often get the vulnerability hangover. I won't say that I've like overcome that by any means, but also it's like, um, that's my gift. 
Yeah. The the other stuff is literally just like a way for me to put a bow on the fact that my gift is vulnerability. So yeah. I, I don't think that that is something that I necessarily like struggle with. Um, I have had to learn the like, babe, if this just happened to you yesterday, maybe you need to sit with it before you get people's opinions. You know right. what I'm saying? Like it's too fresh. It's too fresh. Right. Right. But, like, the majority of the work that I share specifically on my newsletter, my long form essays, my advice column, my tarot card readings, like these are things that like I have already studied and gained perspective on. So, you know, it feels like the vulnerability is a bit distant. Um, At this point it's been kind of intellectualized. I'm not sharing like a fresh emotion often. Um, Yeah. And like that, that allows kind of that padding where it's like, yes, it, it, it is still vulnerability, but I don't feel like, it's it needs to be just mine anymore like it's prepared it's mm. sharing I really like that I really like that approach to things and I'm also curious like first your upbringing and background and then when you say healing I think a lot of people are curious like what were the tools you used for that because I'd I love mean, to start with like where where you started where you came from like why were you making a tumblr fitzbo like what's your background Right, right, right. So, yeah, I was um, I was born and raised in in California. Um, I've lived many, many places. Um, like I graduated high school in D.C. I've lived in Chicago. Um, I've mm-hmm. lived in Las Vegas. I moved to Texas for college, and then I moved here. Um, when I was younger, we like moved back and forth a lot, but the vast majority of the time was in San Diego. Um, my father and my stepfather were both in the Marine Corps or in the military. Um, Mm. and so that just like granted a decent amount of instability. My, my, I am biracial. My, my dad is black and was absent my entire life. I still don't have a relationship with him. Mm. Um, and my mom is white, um, which is, I saw recently you posted your three mixed baddies at dinner. Um, and I was like, you guys, I think you made a comment about just like talking about having a white mom. And I was like, please let me join. Yes, literally. you know that's like a very, a very specific experience that I feel like you come into awareness even later in your life, right? Absolutely. Um, like over time, it's been revealed how distant our experiences are and how much I've kind of had to overcompensate for the ways that she could not parent me um, for things that have like also not, not so much to do with race in itself. Yeah, um, yeah. It's like my mom was like a very young mom, and I'm. Uh, it was mine. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like I'm a middle child. Um and yeah, I think that there was like a lot of I had a very codependent relationship with with my mother. Um and there was a lot of expectation to grow up very fast to kind of be of emotional support support to her. Um, which, you know, we both grew together because she became a mom and a wife very young. Yeah. So, you know, that was like with both with both grace and compassion for her and myself, like that was a very foundational um, experience for me. And I had like an abusive stepfather and those things, you know, definitely molded me. Like I spent a lot of time at other people's houses and at school. Like yeah, I use institutions as a means to not have to be home. Right, right, right. As a, as a survival mechanism because you had to. Yeah, exactly. Like my home was like a very dark place to be. So it felt, um, and, and home was also uncertain. I didn't know where that was going to be in, yeah. in, in the next upcoming years. So, 
you know, it was a lot of transition. There was also a lot of resilience built and like moving, going to a lot of school, different schools and like meeting new people um, and having to reintroduce myself all the time. And yeah. you know, came with the gift of being able to reintroduce myself. Like I remember being quite young and actually loving the idea that I would go to a new school and people wouldn't know who I was because I could make somebody different. Wow. Yeah. That's beautiful, honestly, and exciting, but it's also like, it's also, I guess, prepared you for evolving as a creator now. That's exactly right. Like in just being willing to wear many hats and feel, you know, of course it also like created this like coping mechanism of always wanting to find a fresh slate. Um, and like when things kind of wear out on me, I'm really done. Right. And learning that some things are worth staying with and growing and sewing. Um, so that, you know, that was definitely a, a double edged sword of a gift, but yeah, I think that like just having, you know, the experience of constantly kind of being the emotional mule of, of my family and, um, and having to really like decide that I wanted a different life than the one that I was built in. Like I didn't want to have to constantly, constantly be concerned about money. I didn't want to have to constantly be concerned about, you know, like the, the kind of sacrifice that young mothers have in, in this like resentment. Yes. Children. Like very recently I just like, you know, my mom and I had a conversation. She and I stopped speaking over the last few years and like recently kind of reconciled Mm -hmm. Um, I've been working on that relationship but I like recently said to her like you know one thing that makes me really sad is like I could say a lot of things about you but I would never say that like my mom was happy and that's one thing that I want for myself is like my kids to be able to say like my mom was so happy yeah so I think that that is what I'm trying to build for myself right now, to be honest. Like I'm very much like a domestic queen. I hate to say this. I uh, am too. Yeah. 100%. Like I own it. You know what I mean? Like I want I, a little suburban, you know, moment for myself. Yeah, I'm just like, like, I mean, it's like, we're going to like definitely probably like keep it a little Brooklyn, but it's like, yeah. I am like, so like I, in my healing work, I've just realized like, I'm ready to be like a wife and a mom and like have my little, like, Kendra Austin by Target like cookware line you know what yeah. I'm saying like I love that I love that that's what it's giving and it's like that requires a certain capacity of like healing and like being willing to create stability um and also knowing that like I'm a happy and fulfilled independent person going into that and so when you went from this place like what has been the biggest and like best resource for you to do this healing Right. Um, I mean, from, right. From like a physical standpoint, right. Because so much of my entire, the majority of my platform has been built on talking about fatness and like the experience mm-hmm. of fatness. I think the first thing I will say is there is nothing that can replace age. And I know wow. that nobody wants to hear that, but that is the truth. I think mm-hmm. that a lot of the, the gift for, for me was age. And coming to terms with the fact that like, I have already lost so much time to hating myself and I'm unwilling to lose anymore. So I think that's a major thing is age and just maturity. Um, Being more concerned with how I am like using my body as a vessel for my purpose and that purpose being creation um, and being art and 
just also creating like founded connections and relationships and love in this lifetime. Like that is my focus. Right. Also just shifting, very intentionally shifting my focus. Like we have to make choices, you know, like society is not shifting anytime soon. This world is not built for you to love yourself. You have to be an outlier and you have to choose mm. to be an outlier. And um, you can't make excuses for not wanting to make that choice. So I think that that's the first thing. Like you have to choose you. Following that, I molded my life around who I was and didn't try to mold myself around my life. So I have chosen friends that are reflective both in physicality in physicality and identity, but also what community means to us. Um, I have built that community based on who I am, right? On value, on ideals, on personal goals, on shared identity, right? Like those things are things that are non-negotiables for me. And in that way, the people in my life are reflective of me and can mirror back when, and also literally tell me like when it's time to get the fucking order, right? Like, you can't, you cannot underestimate the value of community and having people that are directly reflecting like what your goals are and who you look in their eyes and you know that you're seeing your best self. Like they see you that way. Right. So really important for me. And, you know, so like social media, like, I mean, it starts and ends there for us, right? It's like, I don't follow people that don't have shared identities, like straight up. Like I, like follow very, very few white women that don't have shared identity, like other shared identities like fatness or who don't produce like work that I find so fulfilling. Like one of my favorite um, creators, her name is Jessica Dorr. And it's like, she is the whitest of white women. And like, she like lives out in a cottage somewhere and like rides horses every day. But she um, <laughs> like meshes like psychology and tarot and those are two things that like I'm very enticed by and I follow what she reads and I read the same and I like follow her newsletter right like I engage with her a lot um because she has shared interests and shared goals with me so it's like I don't really follow many white women that don't have common ideals or like a different like very niche interest um I follow a lot of fat people I follow a lot of queer queer people I follow people that have identities that I think I need to encounter often like people who are um, disabled. I follow a lot of people who are disabled. Like those things are, I feel like I follow, I have created a world that echoes the kind of like diverse ecosystem that I think the world needs more of. And I want to hear those perspectives. There are a lot of perspectives that I don't want to hear. So I simply don't. And I'm okay with living in my echo chamber. It's great here. I love that. I love that. And I think it's an important reminder just to everyone that like you need to really think about what you consume but I'm also curious how like you you obviously overcame these body image etc frustrations and have used these tools to do that but how have you overcome a chaotic childhood codependent mom and like all of that because I that's I think where I'm struggling most at the moment, this is a very, this is a personal question. Yeah, I don't absolutely. know if the audience really has the question, but I do. You know what? I'm going to tell you this. Like I failed a lot. Like I have been in the hands of many violent people. And I think that go, going through those experiences, like going through abusive relationships, going through being mistreated by friends, like having, having several relationships with white women that echo the relationship I had with my mom, where it was like, they were like self-victimizing white women mm. be around a black mammy to make them feel good about themselves. Not say that that is exactly 
that is not the motivation of my mother, but I think that I chose people who I had similar dynamics with and um, in my younger years, right? So I think that like having many like exploitative and um, like emotionally violent situations like kind of made me reach brink. And I'm somebody that kind of needs to put my hand on the stove and get burned. Um, I'm learning more and more that I don't need to get burned, that I know better and so I can do better. But that I think that like, you know, and and this is a show of great, this is me expressing grace. Like I have forgiven myself for those experiences. And I also witnessed that I think I in fact did need to learn them. Like, I think that I had to go through, that's, you know, why I mentioned age. Like Mm -hmm. I think that age comes with experience and not, you know, finally resting with the fact that like, I will not know it all until I've experienced it all. And that just is what it is. Um, And to not beat myself up for not leading the perfect life that I expected myself to in order to get out of survival, right? Like a huge component of being a child in survival and having to come out of chaotic households and chaotic circumstances is feeling this heavy weight to be perfect and feeling such a crushing like disappointment and shame in yourself when you don't make choices for your protection because you've had to for so long Mm -hmm. and I think that just like affirming that like I'm always safe and that I've created that safety and that it can't be taken from me no matter what allows so much room for me to play and make mistakes um so that's just like I think achieving that like outlook has been really important for me a lot of that has been built, of course, naturally with therapy. Um, therapy mm-hmm. is really kind. I recommend group therapy if you can't afford for one-on-one therapy. I have also like continued to shift practitioners. Like I've had several mental health practitioners that didn't really match, you know, who I was and what I needed. Like I came to realize I needed a mental health practitioner that I didn't have to translate language for, right? So maybe who's somebody who's a little bit younger. I didn't have to like talk about what Instagram was and like explain the dynamics. I needed somebody that knew how Instagram works, right? Like that was important for me. I needed a person of color. I needed a queer person. I needed somebody that was an abolitionist. Like I chose, I have chosen several people who had shared shared identities with me and in that way believe in the same healing modalities that I do. Because even psychology and therapy is also white supremacist. So That is something to think about is like really choosing, make sure that you're putting your mental health in the hands of people um, who are like you also. So that was important for me. And then I kind of like took it, you know, took some of it into my own hands. I like read a lot of books. Um, I read a lot of mental health books. Right now I'm reading Necessary Losses by Judith Biorist. I've read a lot of spirituality books. Of course, like The Body Keeps Score. Um, the drama. I'm reading that right now. The drama of the gifted child. Like I just read a lot of work in that way also can kind of like make my own ideals. And that way my entertainment is also kind of echoing um, my, you know, the work when I'm not in therapy and not with other people. Wow. I think that's a good way to put it too. Yeah. there It takes a lot. And I do think there's I don't, in the last year I've grown a lot and I think most of it is due to like having a therapist that understands me, you know? Period. 100%. And like also something else I will say is that um, even beyond like all this like trite stuff that everybody says, like therapy and like books, Mm -hmm. a lot of my healing came with like really like just being gentle with myself in my life. 
like my actual life. Like I wake up, I have my rituals of making my little breakfast. I do my little coffee. I do my, my meditation, like no matter how long or how short it is, I do a meditation. I do my breath work. I do a little yoga flow. I go on my long walks like most days because I need to, you know, and I listen to my podcast or I like reach out to a friend. Like I take care of my plants. Like they're just very, very small, gentle things that I wasn't raised watching. Mm-hmm. But I realize make my life so fulfilling because I'm tending to me and like tending to a sense of home and to a sense of safety and comfort that I didn't know already. And that affirms for me that I am safe and that I always have a safe landing place that I've built for myself that can't be taken away. Right. I think that those foundations are really important. For sure. And like you said, if you don't grow up watching that, you don't always realize that like you do have to tend to yourself instead of just continuing to go, go, go. 100%. And it has to be a practice. Like if you're going to be dedicated to anything, be dedicated to softness. Mm-hmm. You know, like if it's like, if you can't afford therapy, you can't afford all these like psychology books, like start with doing things that you can access on YouTube, like access breath work, access meditation. You know what I'm saying? Like access, like I, one thing I will say that I absolutely love about social media is like, and kind of like the, the blow up of like therapy, TikTok and like all these things is like, a lot of that like is accurate. Like, is it perfect? No, because you should always have a one-on-one experience if you can, but it's like, if you can't afford it, like the resources are there to know yourself, come to know yourself a bit better Mm -hmm. to like discover what kind of brings you back into your body and like regrounds you and helps you touch grass. Right. Find that for you. You know what I mean? Like there, there are always options and I think that those things have even been more transformative for me than the act of being in therapy itself. Yeah. Sometimes it really, it really is. And even knowing there's a community there, I think is one of the biggest, you know, things to really help people too. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. And like, I'm also just like inherently, I'm a very spiritual person. Um, Like spirituality is like definitely a crux of my life. So Mm -hmm. I think that like, you know, a lot of it, and, and that was like an undeniable truth for me as well. Like I kind of just like started to like, you know, hear shit. And so I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like this makes sense. Yeah. To me. Like let's do tarot. Let's do this. Let's do that. And like, that kind of requires like being very much in your body, like to not lose your mind and yeah. to like understand like your internal voice and to be able to trust that. And again, like I think building self-trust happens with like small practices of just like affirming who you are, what you value, like journaling every single day, um, Mm -hmm. like writing, writing down your truths, even if nobody else can hear them. Um, and that, like, I think that's how you become more familiar with your energy. And then that way, when you're around other people, there's no question about what's yours and what's theirs. Yeah. Wow. You are, you're, I can't wait for your book because I need to like read everything you've said again. So I can remember it. Thank you. Yeah, no, I'm so, I'm so, so excited. Yeah. My book is a collection of essays. It's a memoir. Um, So there, there will definitely be a lot of this and then so much more in it. Um, I'm super stoked. I'm excited for, for everything that's coming for you too. I think this new role is super exciting. I like, love the fact that you kind of have like the inside job. (laughs) Yes, I do. On everything going on. I'm like, yeah, Alexis got her finger on the pulse. I'm trying my best. I'm trying my best. Um, I would love to end with a few questions that I like to ask everyone, including my rapid fire ones. Uh, You know, I just feel like there's so many more questions I want to ask you personally. Hit me. 
Okay. All right. So starting with rapid fire, appetizers or dessert? Appetizers. Same. That, those are my people. Instagram or TikTok? TikTok. It's just too good. Okay. Favorite TV show of all time? Oh. <laughs> oh, no. This is so hard. Lauren. I know. I'm so sorry. You could give me three. Okay. Okay, Law and Order for me because that's just like so nostalgic and like oh my God. it's it's just so tried and true. Like I love the stability and the comfort of like that was that's my parent. Mm-hmm. The Golden Girls. Oh my God, I'm so interesting. Happy. I haven't heard that one. I'm such an old person. Yeah, The Golden Girls <laughs> is probably my actual all time favorite show. Oh, I love that. And then I'm gonna I'm gonna do like a like contrarian like I'm probably one of one on this um in my true Aquarian way and say also I really really love the Mindy project I think that's one of the most interesting and like one of one shows that exists and I feel like people love the Mindy project 100% but I just like don't like I feel like even when it was it was going on I didn't know that many people that were actively watching it Mm. and now people are like oh yeah like it's great because Mindy's great but I just feel like it's like in my echo chamber I'm like literally we need to put some respect on Mindy's name. Absolutely, we do. I feel like that show is something that, like, people – or even just shows in general now, people, like, don't watch them until they can watch all of it at once. Yeah, 100, 100%. And, like, I think um, a huge part of why I love that show is because it was just, like, during a time when I, like, really was coming into solitude, like, while I was in college, that it was it was on – Mm-hmm. And I just like so looked forward to to my time watching it. So I think that that's also a little bit of like sentimental. I love that. I feel like it's. I'm excited. I'm now. I'm gonna watch it. I think I always say I'm gonna watch shows, and then I have my anxiety takes me back to my comfort shows. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that was that mm-hmm. was definitely a comfort show for me. It's just very very funny. I love. I love. Okay. Do you have a favorite book or podcast? Ooh, that's interesting. Um. Yeah. My favorite podcast is Unlocking with Brene Brown. Uh, it's just too good yeah Brene Brown is like the only southern white woman I will ever stand in my life maybe to be seconded by like a no Ina Garden is from the north so that also doesn't exist (laughs) I am obsessed with Brene Brown and she calms me down just her voice it just makes me feel like there's hope you know that's 100% and like she has this very interesting like uh Brene Brown is a Scorpio really and I don't think that she realizes like how much of a water sign she truly is. But I feel like what's most indicative of how like emotionally like and just spiritually tapped in she is by accident is like every single time I listen to Unlocking, it like echoes something that I was thinking about that week. And I just don't think that that is a coincidence. So I think she's and the fact that she's interested in shame is such a Scorpio thing. That's exactly, exactly. Like the depths of all the things, all the shadow, all the things that we would like never want to see or talk about. Like she is not afraid of interrogating literally anything. Like she's such a fearless human being and I'm obsessed with that. Okay, my favorite book. Ooh. Oh my God, I have so many. I know you're a reader, you're a writer. I feel like we're losing the art of reading and writing so I need to I want to conserve yeah no 100 well I think a lot of it is because I think people think that both are things that you can do right or wrong and the whole point is to just do them like Mm. good writers do not want to write do not enjoy writing because it's hard and Mm. you know that it's hard you you 
don't necessarily enjoy it, but you feel like you have to by compulsion. And um, I think reading people think you have to read seriously, but if I'm going to be honest, the majority of the books that I really love and enjoy are like realistic fiction, like wartime romance novels. Really? And like, like, like other fiction books. Like I think, one of my favorite books that I read very recently was The City We Became. And that's like a kind of like sci-fi book with like queer people of color in it, which is amazing. Wow. Yeah. Like, okay, I, I it down. yeah. Love. And then probably like, I don't know, like The Parable of the Sour by Octavia Butler. Mm. Interesting. I feel like these are good recommendations. And I feel, I mean, are you on Book Talk? Yes, of course. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not on it yet, and I like need to get on there, so I'm gonna have to find some. No, I'm on. I'm on Book Talk because I will be sending all of these girlies my book when it's time to launch. Oh, look at you! She's preparing, building that community ASAP. Yeah, that's that's exactly that's exactly right. Um, I recently, I think one of my favorite authors is, and I hope that I'm not butchering their name, Akweki Amezi. Mm-hmm. Um, they have written um, Fresh Water, which is an incredible book. And that one. Yeah, The Death of Vivek Oji, which is also an incredible book. And they have like two more, I think, that came out in the last couple of years, but all of their books very much center like kind of like African traditional like fable and wow. um, like interweave that into like queerness and gender fluidity and blackness. And I think that those are themes that like, you don't really see often and they are in every single one of their books and you don't see them put together often yeah like if people are like looking to like take a dip into fiction when they're done being concerned with self-help and books about making money that would be a good choice for them okay you're adding me (laughs) i think that people do not read because they only think that it's valuable for adults to read books that they actually cannot get through and it's like if you can't get through it babe the book's not for you it's fine you're right and i think i i was probably uh, well we've obviously we've identified this i was the biggest reader of all time as like a form of escapism in my childhood and I feel like I've lost that part of myself and I need to go back because you're right. I just focus on the productivity. Okay. So that's also fascinating because I think that you also saw that TikTok that I saw about how um, like being like a voracious reader or an obsessive reader as a child is like a trauma response, mm-hmm. which like makes sense. I mean, I don't, I think that some kids just like to read, but of course, like we do things for reasons. And I think that any version of escapism where you're like extremely consuming any kind of entertainment as like a child absolutely is trauma response. Mm-hmm. But I think that like one thing I did notice is as I like have gone further and further out of feeling traumatized in any way, like I read less. Um, I do definitely still do read a lot. And right now I'm reading so much because if you are writing, you should be reading. Like yeah. I, one of the most important parts of writing is creative intake. So I actually probably read like three times as much as I write and I write so much. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just like definitely a part of the process. But I have noticed that over the years I got away with, I got kind of further away from reading as often as I used to. So don't beat yourself up about it. I think that that's just like kind of part of being out of the need to escape from your present reality. 
That makes sense. And so I was, my next question was going to be your most important self care practice, but I want to know like your daily routine because I need, I want to see everything. Like how you mentioned your little morning rituals, but like yes. what does a day in your life look like? Um, so, you know, I live a very, like, my life is definitely dependent on what I'm doing that day. Sometimes I'm on set, sometimes at home. Mm. Assuming that I'm at, I'm at home working on my book, my newsletter, emails, you know, it's my day. Yeah. Um, my morning ritual is probably like, I think it's like the solid, like first five hours of my day. And I certainly incorporate a decent amount of other stuff, but it's like right away, I try to do my breath work and meditation. If it's not, if you cannot sit in silence, crisscross applesauce, it doesn't matter. Like Mm -hmm. one of the most important things I think black women can do for themselves is have a full breath in the morning and meditate. Even if it's for five to 10 minutes, like listen to a guided meditation on Spotify, listen to the weird white guy with dreads on YouTube. I don't care take that time for yourself to like visualize and dream and be still. And it entirely shifts the way that you receive the world. Like, I just think that it's, it allows me like a slower pace when I'm not somebody that operates in that alternatively. And it just the tone for my day of just like, again, like allowing space for softness and tenderness for me is really important. And I usually hit immediate movement. So either I go on my walk and go pick up my coffee, maybe run that first errand just so I can get outside, get the the blood pumping. Um, um, Maybe I'll go to the gym. And then I usually do my journaling, which like is a nice segue into my writing for the day. Mm, That makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Try to incorporate both, which I think that like if you have literally any job where you have to write, which I think is most of them, like even if it's just like emails, it's kind of a nice start to like get that, get something off your chest. That way you're not hitting your first email already with resentment and trying to circle back on somebody. You know what I mean? Like, I just, it's like a nice, like, again, you're, you're, you're getting kind of a little bit of aggression out, letting some steam out. Um, yeah, journaling is really important for me in the morning. And yeah, I think like, that's pretty much it. But like, I, I make sure to do those things. Like I center my day around those things. And I think that that's probably the most important thing for me. I really am. And I so admire the way that you put yourself first, especially through these practices, because even I didn't even used to journal a year ago. And now I do. And it's like that type of self-reflection and sitting with yourself is transformative and I don't know how people don't do it because it's like otherwise you just don't even think for yourself like one part of the day you know oh yeah it's everything I'm so happy that you granted yourself that time I'm very proud of you it's like so hard it is really really hard to do like I got into that practice when I was in absolute crisis like I was like in a really abusive relationship and it was like I didn't know my reality from theirs Mm -hmm. and it's unfortunate the circumstances in which I got into it, but again, it was like almost the perfect storm for me to learn like how to assert my reality and not need other people to affirm it. Right. Like I was in almost like this, like really jarring experience where somebody was constantly denying my reality. And so I had right. it somewhere, but it's like, I, it made me also like so blithely aware of the fact that that's like kind of life, like as a black person, like as a fat person, like, that is life is people constantly denying your reality. So if you can assert any time for that, make it happen. 
Absolutely. And I think that's a good point to end on with my final question that I ask everyone, which is finish this sentence with something that you want young or younger people to know. You're too smart for. Mm. Um, you're too smart for self-abandonment. Oof. That's a good one. That's it. You're That's too smart it. for self-abandonment. Like it's if it's between them and you, babe, choose you every time. Thank you so much. I feel like I'm I'm like in a place now where I just want to like go meditate on everything. Period. No, thank you so much for having me. This is like so fun. Um yeah, you're like so inc- you keep up the flow so wonderfully. Um, I've appreciated all of your time. It's just mm-hmm. also so nice. Like I feel like you're such an echo of many of my experiences even like a few years ago so i appreciate it okay where can everyone find you um so you can find me at kendra amorous on literally all platforms k-e-n-d-r-a-m-o-r-o-u-s that's going to be twitter tiktok and instagram you can also find me at my newsletter come home on kendraaustin.substack.com that is where i prefer to meet you that is love's meeting place i'll see you there soon Thank you so much for listening to Too Smart for This. I really appreciate your support. So please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Spotify. It helps me out so much. If you like this, check me out on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at Alexis Barber. And don't forget to follow the show at You Are Too Smart for This on Instagram. Have a fabulous day. And don't forget, you are too smart to not love yourself. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.